All right. Welcome to Overanalyzed. Before we jump into today's topic, I do have one piece of follow-up for you, June. You've created a convert. You've got one more person, at least, using the enhanced side view mirror view from last week's episode. Really? Who? It's not me. Uh, <laughs> my friend, Emily, who listens to the show, she told me she changed her mirrors. I didn't change my mirrors because I want to actually make sure, maybe I need next time I see you, I want to make sure that they are properly adjusted. You know, like I didn't go too far one way. Like, how am I mm-hmm. supposed to know? You know, how am I supposed to know I'm doing it the June way? Um, Can you draw a diagram, June? <laughs> actually, if you look it up online, there's some pretty good diagrams already out there. But really, when you're actually adjusting it, for me, I think I mentioned this last time, uh, but basically, you want sort of a panoramic coverage, right, between all three mirrors. So with just a little bit of overlap between them. And that's normally how I can tell that they're good. A lot of times, I think the way most people adjust the mirrors, there's just way too much overlap because they're always, the mirrors are typically folded too far in, inwards. And so your side view mirrors are overlap with your rear view mirror by like 50 plus percent. So you're not really leveraging the side view mirrors as much as you can. That's how I can tell. It's just, you know, sometimes it's, I look at what's behind me, right? Trees, signs, fence, whatever. And you can kind of sort of use those as markers to sort of adjust the mirrors. And sometimes you, I, I adjust as I drive a little too. So, you know, when a car comes, drives past me or when I pass someone else, you can kind of use the car as sort of a marker as well to know once a car like disappears from your rear view mirror, they definitely better be just start appearing in your side view mirror. Again, with a little bit of overlap is good too. So that's kind of how I I adjust. I've got another question for you about driving. Real quick. Do you use navigation every time you drive? Or like, even if you know how to get there, do you use it to try to find the best traffic patterns almost every time? That's a great question. I was literally just talking to Carolina about this from our drive up from DC today. Um, I told her that I do, actually, and that I wish everybody does. And uh-huh. and really, if everybody uses you know the GPS at the same time, everybody uses Waze or Google Maps with traffic. I mean, it's they're basically load balancing the entire traffic. <laughs> exactly. <right>? It's like <laughs> right. you would you would significantly reduce traffic. I think so. I do that I all think the time. You might be Even, right. I mean, most days, not every single day, but definitely like ninety percent of the days where I'm just regular commuting from work. I obviously know how to get there and come back home, but uh, without GPS. But I use it anyways, just for the traffic. So I do the same thing ninety percent of the time, but today I got owned, June. That's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> oh, today I was heading over to see my cousin. I know exactly how to get there, and. I thought to myself, you know what? I should check the traffic. I already wish I was there, you know, right now. Let me make sure I'm taking the fastest route. And I'm hitting it as like, I'm, you know, coasting to a stop sign and <laughs> not using the brake. No, I'm kidding. I was using the brake. Um, <laughs> call back. Um, anyways, I, I, was, I was doing it and it tells me to go this weird route. And I'm like, no, did I tap the wrong place? Like that's, that's not right. That can't possibly be right. <laughs> and I make the left-hand turn. Oh, man. The left-hand turn was a terrible idea. The right was correct. It was a complete jam in the middle of the city because I guess there was, like, all these uh, 
um st patrick's day's events even though that's mm. next weekend i don't even understand there was events there was runs there was this there was that oh man i was i was completely and utterly owned by not doing it sooner and not listening to it and yeah i, I regretted everything so so you're saying you wish you did use follow the gps sooner I wish I had done it immediately and yeah. been able to like take a look yeah. at the route and say, "Oh, you know, that is actually correct. I didn't type in the wrong place. I didn't mistap." And you know, because that was my thing. I was like, I had to make the turn. Yeah. Um, so I was like, "Oh, I need to make the turn I normally make," and I didn't see any like crazy traffic. Right. It was just over the horizon. Right. You know. Well, I always hate that. You know, especially if you start in a parking garage, it always takes like a good. You got to drive yeah, for a little exactly. while until it finally figures out your bearing and like where you are exactly. And then it's got to calculate, recalculate a little bit because it realized you're not where it thought you were. And then by then you're like, you've already made like two wrong turns. You know, I, <laughs> I kind of hate that. <laughs> but uh, eh, it is what it is. It's better than not having it. I always do find that I second guess the GPS always, even though... I trust it pretty well, but I know it nags me that I can never really prove it wrong. You know what I mean? Because I can never know. Like, was it really faster a different way? Um, yeah, I mean, there'd be no <laughs> way for me spawn, to know. You can't just fork another instance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a Start a parallel universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another thing I wanted to ask you, June. Do you want to talk about what happened this weekend? Your second photography gig? Oh, yeah, sure. I didn't think about that. I guess you should introduce him first, right? <laughs> Listener Mark. Yes. Hi, Mark. Um, <laughs> he got engaged this weekend, which is right. pretty awesome. And he wanted a photographer there. And he needed someone that she didn't know. And I said, this June character did a good job for my photos. And he agreed. And they all we all met up, actually, a couple days ago to game plan. And it sounds like it went all according to plan. Yeah, I think it did. I got there pretty damn early, probably a lot earlier than I needed to, but it was good because, I mean, this is the actual proposal, you know, so I was pretty nervous uh, about making sure I got the moment. I mean, you can take a bunch of pictures afterwards, but the actual surprise happens within, you know... 10 seconds, you know what I mean? And if I, if my camera decides to just not be able to autofocus at that point, or something weird goes on, you know, or someone literally walks in front of my camera, I'd miss it. So I was so terrified of that happening, but it went all, it was totally fine. There wasn't nearly as many people as I thought it, there was going to be. So uh, we got some pretty clear shots of just, you know, them. And... Mark is someone who likes to plan the details out to like the smallest freaking detail. And it was, I personally loved it and I appreciated it because it made my life, it made my life easier. Mark was texting me even just like days prior. He was like, all right, I got my buddy Phil. He's going to now, he's in on it, right? So he's going to meet up with them because uh, he's also there uh, for like some cheerleading events. So anyways, he's going to take my phone and start snapping pictures. And then when he goes to landscape, then that's when you know it's about to happen. And then he's going to say something like a cue, like, oh, move a little to the left or something. And then you know I'm about to drop on my knee. Because I told him, I was like, I need some kind of cue. I need some kind of like something to tell me you're about to do it. And, that was brilliant. You know, yeah. Honestly, 
Yeah. Mark, <laughs> I'm not just saying this. I know you're listening, but like when he told me that detail, he's like, "Oh, I told him to turn it into landscape." And when he said that, that was my cue. I was like, "That's genius!" Yeah, that's the yeah. Like, the best way to take a video, and it's a cue, right? Oh, I love and it. he has video, right? <laughs> since since he knows Phil and Phil's in on it, like Phil knows, like, "Oh, I'm taking a video," which is yeah. I think it's def- that definitely turned out better than asking a stranger to do it. Um, but you know. Uh, that would have just been another unknown variable for Mark, which I think would have been tough. <laughs> for <laughs> None of us like those variables. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I was kind of afraid that someone would like think I'm some weird stalker because I'm just literally walking back and forth in that of that spot for like an hour and a half. And I'm like taking pictures of the same thing constantly. And there were a bunch of like police there, you know. But it was also like some cheerleading event, you know. So like, that's right. Yeah, bunch there was of, a cheerleading bunch conference. of like girls there, and I felt like I'm like, oh man, I, this could easily look really weird. And <laughs> <laughs> but oh, thankfully, that, nothing happened, and the whole thing was great. The lighting was great. It was just overcast, which is perfect. No crazy sun. And but the day was really nice. I uh, got a bunch of shots, you know, with the Ferris wheel in the background and. Yeah, overall, it was really nice. Their whole family was there, too. So it was like a secondary surprise. Now, I do know that next time I need to invest in some kind of like a speed flash or some type of flash for my camera because when we were in the restaurant, super dark. I had to turn up the ISO to a pretty high value that my shots are going to be pretty grainy and I'm going to have to do some pretty severe post-processing of smoothing it out. Uh, but it's not going to, it obviously won't be as good as if I had more light. So I think something like having some sort of speed flash type of attachment would be a good investment probably. Again, like <laughs> it is kind of cool to start having this hobby become a little more and more serious. I like that. Maybe you actually, need to start Well, <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna say, oh yeah, my fuel costs and the dry and the miles on my car, I could have, I could totally deducted that, you know. <laughs> I think expenditure. My understanding from someone I asked and I set my business account, I can take business purchases that happened before the business was instantiated and like claim it on the same tax report. I think within the same year. Oh really. Hmm. Which is interesting, yeah, because like you were a freelancer at the time. I'm not, I, I would check your work on that one. Don't take this as like tax advice. But someone say, said that it is okay. That seemed a little weird, but I'll have to look into it. I have reason to believe they'd be more they'd be more in the know than I am. But it was funny, June, when you told me about the the flash situation. I was like, ah, not enough photons. And Rachel was like, what? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like. There weren't enough photons uh, in the in the restaurant. She's like, they didn't have any food, and I'm like, oh man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she kept mishearing me. <laughs> Wait, what? Did, what it's was like, she thinking you were saying? She thought she thought I said that they didn't have any more food. Like, oh, the restaurant without food oh, instead of photons. <laughs> uh, once she's married you for a little while longer. Well, you're not married yet, but you know, you know what I mean. Once, once you guys are together for a little bit longer, I think, I think she will slowly start to realize, like those kinds of things. It's like Alec is saying something really nerdy right now. It's not, it's not what you <laughs> first think he might be saying. It's the nerdy version. 
I've always been about the photons. Every ever since Steve Jobs yelled, "It's about the photons." I think it was talking <laughs> about the. Uh, I think it was the iPhone 4's camera because um, it was like still five megapixel, and everyone was like, "Yeah, it had to be iPhone 4." It was like a five megapixel camera, and he's like, "We're not chasing megapixels because it's about the photons." Damn it! <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you need to seriously. capture all the light. Although arguably now, you know, people say it's all about the software, but hey, I mean. It the, is, yeah. That's photography, photography at its you know core is is photons. It's just light. <laughs> it's photon manipulation. Yeah, I know. I even brought my tripod and everything, but there's just so much motion. I could have had a nice clear shot, but everybody would have had to be still. Nobody move. I could set my exposure for longer uh, with lower ISO on a tripod, but no, that wasn't going to happen. I mean, Mark's family is so nice. Both of their families are so nice, but everybody's talking and chatting. They're kids. It's just like getting everybody to stand still for a group shot was impossible inside the restaurant. So we actually left outside, went left outside uh, the restaurant for like a few minutes just to get some shots while there was still a little bit of light outside. So that was nice. Yeah, so... That was nice. I'm going to have to like, uh, well, so that birthday party I went to afterwards, a friend of ours was having a birthday party and everybody was like, oh, how'd that go? I didn't know you were, you know, doing like photography stuff. I was like, yeah, it's not really that serious. But they were like, oh, but this, this is like the second time you've done it. Like, and I could, I feel like people were like, like thinking like, hmm, you know, if I needed another, phot- if I needed photographers for some reason, like here's this guy. <laughs> so I'm like, I really should. You should do the baby stuff, man. It's so easy. Maternity photos, babies. You just you just shoot a bazillion of them, and like one of them will come out cute. Yeah. There's no. There's no. I don't know if there's any skill in making a baby like yeah. photogenic. Um, <laughs> it's just all luck. <laughs> you know, it's a lot trickier than you think. Trying to get babies to smile, to look at you, to yeah, it's it's definitely a lot harder than adults. No, no, no. I'm saying it is. I'm saying I don't think there's any special skill. Like it's all luck. <laughs> At that oh, point, oh, 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 oh! I see. Like what you, you mean. can't control them. Yeah, no, no. And that's what I'm no. getting. It's <laughs> yeah. so like you, you're you're equally as equipped as someone who's been doing it a while, probably, because I think it's just like, hey, distraction here over there, smile, yay, <laughs> you know, like, right? It's right. I don't think there's anything more to it because there's just yeah. not that much way to communicate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's a. I feel like actually having taken photos of my own kids a good amount definitely gives me. <laughs> some experience already in that in that factor uh but honestly it's i'm a little i'm just a little like unsure of how to get the word out there i mean it'd be like i want to create a website but then at the same time it's like okay that's a it's a good amount of time and do i really have enough of my own pictures i definitely have enough of my own pictures <laughs> for you know to make like a, a portfolio or you something. can make a site you know i mean yeah you can make a, yeah, a site yeah. out of it you only need a couple examples yeah and then it's like the advertising part that i'm always uncomfortable with like i don't mind word of mouth but if i really want to make this a thing and start like being like yeah photos of like babies you know i don't know i mean people post it on like next door the neighborhood app thing. It's like the neighborhood social media thing. And well, I know this sounds stupid, but like it's all women who do that, you know, who post those. And, and like, I don't know. It's something like, it's something some random guy wants that, to take pictures of your yeah, baby. Yeah. Like some random <laughs> guy, which I feel like people would just rather have women do it for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know. 
there was one guy who was like, hey, I need someone to just take some, like, professional photos of me, you know, for, like, resumes and, like, whatever. And I almost jumped at that, but I don't know. Yeah. Should have done it, man. I, I just got to take the leap. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to we'll discuss that one day. We'll, yes. do, we'll do that as a topic one day. We'll, we'll have to, like, look into how to start up a business. I think that would be and really we'll, helpful. We'll, we'll do it from the perspective of like mine, yours, because we both, I think, have similar issues when it comes to asserting ourselves as an expert, quote unquote, in a field um, and like being like, oh, we are worth hiring. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I think that's a, I think it's a good topic for later, but not today. Today we talk about vacations. Woo. All right, June. So let's kick it off. Most of the time we fly on vacation. So we want to talk about our seat preferences how we find good tickets and all that good stuff. So I guess I'm curious, Alec, how, what are some tips you have for like finding flights, you know, cheap flights, when to buy, what websites to use? So the issue I have is that because Rachel's schedule is very confined, we can't just follow the whim of travel hacking. If you follow guys like the points guy, they'll be like, oh my gosh, there's a crazy deal on this flight to, you know, some random location at this specific time. And some people, like it is still enough in advance that some people could be like, okay, great. I'm going to just do that. That's going to be my vacation. I'll set it up and I'll go. And that's awesome. But we, we just can't do that. So it becomes an optimization problem of, okay, we have this week, we're going to London. Like we already chosen where we're going to go. How can I find the best deal for that? I found a few things for that. Airfare Watchdog, you can set up all the places you want to go, and it will notify you when there's a good one. Unfortunately, that turns out to be a lot of spam in my experience. And M-O-M-O-N-D-O is an app that helps you figure out the best time to buy and find good ticket prices. I also use Google Flights, but I will say if it's domestic... It's almost always Southwest from from Baltimore because of it being a hub. So, like, Southwest is my flight. I always use Southwest. Rachel just got a Southwest card, which is pretty great. Yeah, you also have a lot of points, right, with Southwest? I have a lot of generic points that I happen to use through Southwest. Hmm. I have all the Chase points. I use all the Southwest-specific points already. Yeah, I love Southwest. Definitely always the cheaper cheapest option. I think, actually, Google Flights. I also love Google Flights, but I, I think... When I, I realized one day that it doesn't list Southwest, right? That's right. It doesn't. And I thought that was so silly. And then, of course, like the cheapest option on Google, when I look it up separately on Southwest, Southwest still beats it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I get two free bags. And, you know, I personally also just like the experience a little better. I think it's great. Yeah. A lot more direct domestic flights, you know, San Antonio to Baltimore direct is really nice. Um, so my parents always fly Southwest. When they come visit, let's see. I used to use Kayak a lot, and Kayak had like a neat tool that same thing, similar. You know, you say, "I want to go here um, around this time," and then it basically sort of charts for you like when is a good time to buy, like the prices of that specific ticket fluctuating over time, and it, it kind of tells you like we think this is a good time to buy, or we don't think this is a good time to buy. So. That's kind of helpful too, but I feel like sometimes though it's a hit and miss. You know, I've I think I've read somewhere because I, I tried looking this up just to see. You know, what has anyone really done research on this? Is there really any correlation to time and price? 
And I think basically there have been people who've looked at this based on past data, and there really is no correlation. <laughs> and like some people would throw out some of their own opinion that like, oh yeah, like there's this like super sharp drop just before the flight, but then it spikes really fast again. And like, you got to look, wait for that like exact drop right there when they're trying to just fill in the seats. But it's like, but how do you know? I mean, yeah. And then some people say like Wednesdays, buy on Wednesdays in the afternoon. That's always the best time. People are at work on the win- you know, afternoon. Nobody's buying it. I don't know. All kinds of like things that people say. Yeah, because people aren't doing like business trips usually that day. That's what yeah. it is mostly. Mm. Most businesses happens on Monday, get back on Friday or some subset of that. Right. Wednesday's more protected. There's no exact science to it. But I'm not talking about like which day of the flight. I'm talking about which day to buy the tickets. Oh, really? Wednesday? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, right? Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> what? Huh? Like, where are you getting that? Yeah, I, that's why I just think it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. I don't really know. I don't know. I do know that Google Flights is really good for international flights, especially since it seems to be able to mix up airlines in a good way, mix and matches airlines, you know? So when we flew to Italy, it had, you know, I think it put us on two different airlines. Granted, I think at one point, well, I think everybody has to do this. I think when we were in Portugal, you had to leave the whole terminal and then get back in. So you have to go re-go through security again. But I think you'd have to do that regardless. Still, like, I think because it's able to sort of, you know, do more combinations across, you know, with different airlines, I think it was able to sort of just save me the most money. So that was kind of nice. And just the whole calendar view of seeing like, oh yeah, tickets for, you know, flying out from certain days, you know, you can, you can really see like times, a specific day where it's just like way cheap. I remember like flying on the 31st, the, the, the very last day of the year, for some reason is always super cheap. And we're, so we always... I think we've flown a lot, multiple times on December 31st, because that always, for some reason, ends up being a really cheap option. And then the day after, of course, is like the day, like two days after is always like much more expensive. But I will say one day, one of these flights, we were in Vegas and um, taken off taxiing. I literally remember like we started taxiing and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, honey, I think we get to see fireworks from the plane. And sure enough, when we take off, right as we took off, the fire it was freaking midnight and the fireworks start going <laughs> off all along the near you know, the Vegas strip. And like we are looking at the fireworks from above. The pilot is purposely like veering left and right so people on both sides can like can get a good look, you know, like multiple <laughs> That's times. Awesome. Yeah, he's doing it on purpose and it was really awesome. It's like, wow, I will I how many people get to see fireworks from this vantage point? You know, it was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, because they look like exploding balls at that point. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the higher you get, you know, you're getting like a bigger, bigger like picture of it all. So it's pretty neat. So let's see, what else? Seating preferences? So with seating preferences, I am all about the... (sighs) It it matters, man. All right. So I I used to be all about the window, but now I'm over it. I don't actually really care about looking out the window. I think I'm an owl guy now because I can just go to the bathroom whenever I want, which feels nice. But then you have to deal with uh, the compromise of everyone else who has to go. It also bugs you. So I think, I think I'm think i about it. If I guess if you're trying to sleep, there's nothing that beats the window. 
But if you're trying to like just do some stuff and, and chill and pass the time, it's kind of nice maybe to get broken up and have someone get up and get down. I don't know. What do you think? Why does wanting to sleep mean window seat is better? Because you can lean on the, the side. That's comfortable? None of it's comfortable. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I have to link it in the show notes. I just saw this week Joe Liss on Thursday. He's one of my favorite comedians. And he was talking about sleeping on planes and how ridiculous it is. I won't spoil it, but it was a great joke. Yeah, I haven't been able to fall asleep on a plane in years. I, I don't know what <laughs> happened, but I... And nowadays, since we have kids... I purposely try to get red-eye flights because then they're sleeping, but I can't sleep. So I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, I'm, I'm constantly uncomfortable. My head is just, yeah, it's impossible. Um, even like the seats that have the whole, you know, the headrest thing that kind of, you can, oh, that you can pull nothing. the, yeah, that shit does not do anything. It pu- you pull it in. It's like, all right, I'm lock and loaded. I'm, I'm locked in, you know clamped in and then nope you know five minutes later the thing is is not there anymore but the thing is like i'm I'm my i guess my upper body is tall or i'm just a tall person in general that those things are always clamping down on my shoulders anyways and i never really like actually on my head so (laughs) it's kind of frustrating but i do prefer the aisle because there's just a little bit extra leg like i can always kind of since i have long legs i can i can sort of oh yeah stick my leg yeah. Although then, like, there are moments in the night when, if it's a long flight, you know, like, I get run over. The little carts <laughs> slam me into the, my foot or my leg, and I'm like, ah, damn it. And it's like, I can't say anything. It was, you know, it's my fault, right? Like, I, my leg should not be in the aisle. Um, but I don't know. Never flown business or first class. I've always flown um, coach. So I always feel like before I die, I would like to fly, and I would like to splurge uh on or you know or heck or business pays for it or something but uh, <laughs> i don't know i just feel like that's that's something i want to experience you know being able to lay down while flying uh that'd be fantastic I, i'm in the same camp of like i would like to experience it but i'm pretty confident it will never be on my dime this this comes down to like a fundamental thing and i've talked to a few people about this it's like how much money do you need to make to stop being stingy in certain ways and i don't know if i'll ever be not stingy from the flight perspective <laughs> I'll, I'll probably always be looking for the best deal not give a crap about uh anything see because like rachel likes she likes her direct flights she likes uh a convenient time and i'm over here just looking at i like literally like which point option is the cheapest and i look at it and it's like reasonable like as long as it's not stupid you know i'm like i'm on yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one maybe i'll spend maybe like a thousand maybe two thousand more points on a given flight if it gives me like a significantly better time besides that i'm like i just want the cheapest flight this is not this is not the way that she operates it's not the way i've noticed her friends operate (laughs) so when we went the boston trip i'm looking at it i'm like oh it's like because it's like two tickets and it's round trip i was like oh my gosh it's like a whole other flight (laughs) that i'm losing because we're not optimizing here and it's like a difference of an hour uh i was dying (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i i feel like if we made a lot of money at some point i i think our opinions would change (laughs) i think you can splurge a little for sure sure i imagine it would change um but i don't know if i'll ever hit that point because like it's still an optimization problem because it's just a trade-off of like do you actually care enough do you get enough benefit spark enough joy from this change to be worth it and almost always it's no 
Well, and especially for the flights that where you really want, you know, business or first class are the ones that are really expensive. Like the long international overseas flights, those are, you know, you're you're paying an extra three, four thousand dollars per person. I will say the best I have ever had though was um, actually I forget if it was the trip to or return from China, but you know, fourteen hour flight with kids. I think it was just Gabe at the time, but. We had our seats, regular seats, but we were kind of, I think we were split up. So anyways, you know how like you get your assigned seat, but then you go on the plane and you can always kind of ask, you know, like I, so we asked the flight attendant, we're like, Hey, you know, there's three of us with our kid. We really like to be, you know, sitting next to each other if possible. And the lady was really nice and found us three seats right at the front of the, one of the sections which means no seats in front of us, this huge wide space all in front of us on a plane. It feels like it's the entire like abyss in front of me, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like relative to other seats, like that's what it feels like. Like it feels like I have the entire universe in front of me. I could stretch my legs. Oh man. So that was wonderful. If those seats had an actual recliner bit, like you could actually stick your feet up. That'd be the lap of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but normally Everyone else but, around you is dying, see, and you're just yeah. like in a recline position. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But airlines nowadays, like they all charge those seats, charge extra for those seats. Those are always like the preferred seats or whatever, right? Like pay like you know that like fifty dollars or a hundred dollars more, and then you, th- those are always more expensive seats now. So really surprised they gave that to us on a flight to China. You know, it was like, wow, that that was a game changer. That is pretty great. So I guess we should talk about relaxing versus active vacations. I think it all ties in with how we like to plan our vacations. So you're like winging it or being uh, pre-planned by like a, a touring company. And also, how do you do that? Do you find it yourself? Buy books? Travel agents? You can start, June. Yeah, I think... For our last few trips, they've all we've never used a travel agent. I have family members that have that actually work in a travel agent. So when we were in China in 2012, basically our entire 20 something day trip in China was basically planned by a family member who was a travel agent. But it was not like we didn't hire them. Like it was my uncle who basically sort of masterminded the entire trip for us. He was awesome. And, uh, yeah, we've never, I don't know. I just never thought it'd be worth it to hire someone to plan these things for me, but it does make it a little more challenging for me to sort of do the research and figure out, well, if we're going to, uh, I'd say the only other time I've really planned it myself was probably on my, our own honeymoon, which was, uh, we went to, so we got married in Colombia in Bogota or just outside of Bogota. And then... Ecuador. We went to Ecuador for a honeymoon, which is right next door. So we didn't have to fly that much, but it was like, I don't know anything about Ecuador. I know the equator runs through it. That's about it. And then, but you know, doing the research, I realized, oh, there's the Galapagos. We can go there. Oh, there's all these like really cute towns in Ecuador as well. And next thing I know, you know, I'm booking hotels, I'm booking, you know, honeymoon suites and things like that. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. And you know, a cruise in the Galapagos and things like that. So 
Yeah, um, that was that was huge, especially like dropping the money on a bunch of those things too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Our last big trip was to Italy, and that was mostly planned for us. My brother-in-law did a lot of the planning. Sort of, he knows like Rome and Milan pretty well, or just Italy in general, a lot better than I'd say myself or or my immediate family. So he helped us know where to go, and you know we had a spreadsheet for kind of a rough rough schedule. But I don't really do much of it. And I think my family, I like having a plan. I like knowing where we're gonna be on whichever day. But I feel like that's always too stressful. And with kids, you're never gonna be like on time or like meeting a schedule. Sometimes you're just gonna have to take an extra day. Actually, that was one of the things I really kind of stressed with Italy was that you know we had two weeks. We could have gone to a million places all over Italy. And if we didn't have kids, we might have done that. But yeah, we went to two places, Rome and Milan and Streza, you know, this lake next to Milan. And that's about it. Didn't go anywhere else, really. So but that was so relaxing. Like for us, that was just a relaxing experience, like, especially like in Streza, where we just were like at our friend's lake house and we just chilled, didn't do too much. Like that's, you know, when you think of a vacation, I feel like very few people actually relax on vacations and that's kind of what it is like what it's for you know what I mean you're you're not supposed to work on a vacation but I think a lot of people end up working and being stressed out but then again that's me maybe projecting a little too much on other people because some people might find that the plan and everything is is relaxing um so I don't know how about yourself all right there's a lot to unpack here so First of all, from a planning perspective, I think the travel agents going down the tubes because of the internet, The my, my parents used to use a travel agent. Similar kind of story. They knew the person, and it was before the internet. I remember she had a computer, you know? I, I, not before the internet, don't get me wrong, but before it was a, a big thing, right? Before everyone was just doing things that way. Mm-hmm. And... But she had the expertise from booking all these uh, travels with people and hearing their stories when they get back to say, oh, this is going to be a really nice trip for you. You got to check this out, etc. which was nice. I remember those trips always being pretty well choreographed, so to speak. Rachel's parents also like to do these these trips through, I think like Trafalgar is a tour guide company and they have like AAA and they have uh, connections with these these companies to, to, to book it that way. And that's nice. Um, so, like, I've been getting a little bit of that in my system uh, from being around Rachel, where she knows about these things, and then sometimes she uses the tours to generate her own plan. A lot of the planning for these vacations lately has been has been Rachel because, in many ways, have been trips that she kind of initiated. So she's like, "Oh, I would like to do this," and all these things are things we could do. And I was kind of like, "All right, I'm along for the ride," and. <laughs> I'm a big believer in the active vacation. I like having the plan because it's one of those things where you go somewhere and you, you want to make sure you do it all or whatever. And I understand that's extremely stressful. And with kids, it kind of ruins it. I imagine that would be something you definitely want to tone down. I think you made a really great choice about your Italy trip, making it very focused. Um, Cause with kids, it's just, you can't, if you try to stick to a schedule, you just end up being disappointed that you're missing it. And 
yeah i i like that but i will say it does turn it into like it 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 doesn't feel relaxing right like you're rustling and bustling for all these days you fly back and normally you have to go right back to work and but that that actually goes back remember uh our old coworker who would always take an extra day after vacation to like mm-hmm. not go to work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that was pretty smart i can see why they did that I don't think I have the luxury of enough days to do that yet. <laughs> but once you get a few more days, maybe I could see that being a being a technique. Or, you know, book your, book your um, return flight or something to come back on a Saturday or something. So you still get the Sunday to rest. But, yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, I forgot. We did the same thing where when we went to um, Xi'an, was it like two years ago, to China, we... We spent, that was another two weeks, I think, um, where we just chilled. You know, we went, we didn't even go anywhere. We were in Xi'an the entire time. Like, you know, we were seeing family, seeing my grandparents. But with Gabe, we were like, we were just hanging out. And there were moments where I did, I will be honest, I, you know, we would take Gabe to a park, right, in Xi'an. And he's playing with other kids on a slide. And I'm just thinking, like... <laughs> I'm halfway across the world. Paid a lot of money to get here. Actually, we didn't pay a cent because we used uh, Chase Rewards points. Woo! Chase Reserve. <laughs> 100,000 points. <laughs> but uh, anyways, but I was just thinking, like, I had this thought, like, uh, and we're, and, like, we're halfway across the world and he's just playing on a slide. Like, we could do this at home, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and that gets back to my relaxing thing. It's like, I can relax at home. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, but he was happy, you know, like rushing kids is not a good idea. It was, it was nice. And just to kind of like get to know the city too, a lot better. Like the city that I was born in, getting to know it better and seeing my family a lot more than I probably otherwise would have. So I think the relaxation part is really nice. Okay. So talk about like relaxing, short trips, weekend trips. Mm-hmm. Do you think those are valuable, or do you think they're too they're too quick? I like weekend trips if they're close by. You know, like a weekend trip to New York City, definitely not bad. We've gone to like retreats, Pennsylvania or wherever. That was a weekend trip. So Alec and I used to have these uh, nine eighty days, which were uh, basically you work eighty hours over nine days. So every other Friday you had off. And those were fantastic. Like having a three-day weekend every other weekend was amazing. And I actually found myself never really rarely using vacation days throughout the year because I had these every other Friday I had off. And I can use that to essentially either go on a short vacation or take care of chores, you know, because my kids were at daycare. So it was an entire day of like, I could do whatever I want. I could catch up on like things I need to do around the house or whatever. So those are awesome. But definitely short trips, three-day weekends, yeah. Nothing, you know, international. Now, if you're flying international, you need a lot more than three days. But those are those are nice. I still want to do some like driving trips, some road trips like down maybe like Virginia, West Virginia. Um, what is it, the, the Skyline Drive or something that we haven't done yet through like Shenandoah. Those would be, uh, I would, I still want to do that. It's on my bucket list. So, but yeah, three day weekend would be perfect for something like that. Things like rent, you know, rent a cabin to sleep in over, you know, or I don't know, (laughs) 
or some people like to go camping. I'm not a big camper, but um, you could use three-day weekends for that, too. I think I'm warming up to three-day trips, but I think it's definitely a function of privilege. Like, because the reason I was always against them for the long time was it was just all the overhead costs are constant. Like, like there's like some costs of going on vacation, the travel costs and, and stuff like that, which can sometimes be a large portion of the cost of a trip. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to pay to go somewhere, I need to be there long enough to justify that, that flight. And I think now that I've been using travel miles for almost all my flights, it's not as bad. I'm not as gun shy to do that because it's like, oh, it's just some funny money. And there's always been funny money in the funny money stand uh, <laughs> because just of like my frequency of travel versus the you know, points I accrue has been not dwindling it. Although I think it's starting, I'm starting to die, man. I'm starting to lose all my points. And <laughs> 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 you start churning again. But anyways, I think, I think I'm starting to like the three day trips. They're nice. Exactly. Like you said, for local things, like I'm doing one next in a couple weekends to go to, to Boston, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. About the 980. So if you take out the side of things where it's creating a day that everyone's off and everyone's agreeing that they're quote unquote off and you're actually working 40 hours, I can see it being good. And I think, I think when you have kids, they're fantastic for that reason. But I've noticed that extra hour every day, it really eats into your, your evening time. You know, you don't have that much time in the evening. You only have three or four hours. So you take an hour away. That's a, that's a large portion every day to lose a little bit of time. And I think I like I like the extra hour every day. I think it, personally, I take that. You know, assuming again, like you're actually working eight hours. Hmm. That's interesting. You say that. I feel like psychologically, for me, working an extra hour is a very small price to pay. It like almost to the point where it's negligible for me to work an extra hour, and then all all that to then get every other Friday off, an entire day off where I don't have to use vacation. I don't have to like feel guilty I have it off because everybody has it off. I feel like, yeah, that extra hour for me wasn't a big deal at all. But now it's funny because looking at it from my current company's perspective, it's like, oh, that's like just silly. Like an extra hour, really? That's what I was, that's what I used to complain about. (laughs) No, I know. I know. Well, so I just think I, I could definitely tell the difference. So I remember, you know, the pre and post 980 life. And although I enjoy those, those lazy Fridays and doing whatever I need to do those days, I kind of missed that hour. I really did. Every day. Mm-hmm. I, I, got no, I noticed the difference in my evening time. And I think the, actually the other thing too was just the way I work. I've gotten a little bit better about this in my new job, but I would always, before the 980, I would do like nine hour days and seven hour days all the time. So I had like the long day and the short day, so to speak. And I like that rhythm. Like the, some days I really, you know, wanted to be there for a while and like really dig into something. And the other days I wanted to be shorter or like I had something to do. So I flexed it. And I noticed with the 980, you, when you flex, you always have to flex at the same times. And it was much more detrimental to your catch up time. Mm. Oh, it wasn't nearly as easy as flex. And I like, I like the, I like the flexibility throughout the week where, um, cause like I never wanted to work that all Friday. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, it's like, oh, the solution is you just work on the off Friday and you fix your times. And I did that, but I never wanted to do that because I knew I had it off, you know, (laughs) versus Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if I had to work every day anyways, I didn't mind as much. Yeah, sure. I feel like in our sort of 
industry, you know, and, and jobs. Most companies nowadays are all pretty flexible with your, you know, your week, as long as you get your stuff done. I know even right now, as much as I work and complain about my current job, but you know, my boss is pretty chill. He doesn't really care when I get in, when I leave. He knows I work a lot. <laughs> so yeah, he kind of just, you know, lets me do whatever I need to. Like, you know, I just kind of let him know like, hey, you know, coming in late today, I got an oil change this morning or whatever. He doesn't care. So whereas I, I feel like there are definitely other jobs. Heck, even within the same company, there are certain job roles where, you know, people people can't, don't have that flexibility. And I don't know, also just developing software, you can do that from anywhere. That's definitely one of the best perks too. Granted, depending on, you know, if you got to work in a lab or things like that, I, that bop, definitely bop. limits your ability. Yeah, so, but still, I think we're pretty fortunate to do oh, that. Oh yeah, but definitely. I, I personally love the 980, would love it back. We offer the 980 as a possibility. I know. I, I'm i wondering how that works. So you can have people who do 980 and people who don't mix together? Yeah, I mean, as long as your your supervisors are cool with it, you can just set up your work schedule to be like, every other Friday I'm off and I just work extra and that's just what I do. I don't know if I'd like that or be able to do that because... because Most people aren't doing not, it. Exactly. If If most people aren't doing it and are still working on that day, I would not feel comfortable just... Even if I didn't work, I just, there would be a nagging thought in my head. Be like, ugh, you know, everybody's working right now. And I'm just like, I don't know, eating ice cream on my couch right now, watching TV, you know, like. <laughs> so a lot of people, I would say a majority of the people do what I would call the intentional 980 of, I have an intentional reason. And even if it's just like, I need something done, you know, all the things you were saying of reasons you like the 980, you just like proclaim like, you know what, I'm going to do it this week. And as long as you tell somebody and it's not but that Friday, there's nothing major going on that you already said you could be there for or whatever. It's fine. That's I think I think that's that that's what I like is I am now in an environment where I can still get the benefit of the 980 if I choose to. I just almost never choose to. I think that's a better that's a better function. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, getting things done, you know, like going to the bank, heck, like going to places oh, where they always yeah. close on the weekends. Um, yeah, it's just so nice to have a weekday off. But anyways, I'm curious where you have traveled to, going back to sort of more of the vacation side of this uh, topic. Where have you taken vacations, Alec? A lot of my travels when I was younger were domestic. We went to... Ocean City and we went to Florida because I have some family down there and we went to North Carolina because we realized that was cheaper than Ocean City and nicer in almost every single way other than distance but then when I got older we started doing a few more interesting trips I guess so to speak we went to Aruba which was a pretty cool trip we went to Niagara Falls which was a nice trip and we went to Greece and and for a day in Italy did a cruise which was, which was quite nice. So that's what I did when I was a kid, you know, with my parents. Right? I, I was long for the ride. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also went to San Diego, I remember, actually, when we were, when I was younger. Now that I am traveling on my own, I've done a few other things. I've done a Boston week trip. Oh, and like, I don't think my family ever did New York. Like, my parents, I don't think I, we ever did New York. 
we went once to visit family up there for a weekend, but we never went like sans family. Does that make sense? You've never went without family? Like we always were visiting family. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think we ever like went to New York as like a vacation. We went to like see people and we did things with them, right? Mm, yeah. It wasn't like a, a vacation vacation. It was more of like a intentional seeing somebody, which is still a bit, like a relaxing vacation kind of thing, but it's, I think differentiating it's different. Um, now that I've been able to do other things, I've gone to my yearly crime of going to, to San Jose for WWDCs. A lot of fun. <laughs> I've been to San Francisco and I went to London, which is pretty cool. And we went to Dublin as well while we were out there, which is nice. And uh, I went on a, a cruise with Rachel in the Caribbean. That was nice. We went to uh, the Bahamas. Yeah. What about you, June? Yeah, same with my with my parents. I mean, when I was little, little, like still in China, my parents didn't travel that much. At that time, I think in China, it was still quite the luxury to be able to travel. And very few people had that opportunity. So... Really, I guess my very first travel was <laughs> to come to the United States. <laughs> yeah, I didn't fly for a very long time. We didn't take a flying trip until we went to Greece, and I was 12. So, yeah, I went a long time mm. without flying. I don't think I've flown before coming to the U.S. either. Mostly in China at the time, it was all trains. You took trains everywhere. But I remember those trains. Those train rides were actually, like, they, I have warm memories. Because you, you have your tiny little, like, section and you had a you had like two or three like rows of cots on each side and you share it with these strangers and there's a little tiny little table in between that sticks out from like a one of the walls and there's always like some hot water heater there and then on the other side you've got these little like bench seat or like these little tables with seats on the side that you can eat your hot ramen noodles and like in the mornings for breakfast oh man those are those are amazing that i've never i haven't tra traveled by train and, and i have this like nostalgic these nostalgic memories of it but yeah i didn't really go much anywhere though in china i think those were mostly trips between xian and and zhangjiang which was like along the coast uh, which is where my parents lived while my grandparents lived in xian so we i think we made those trips pretty frequently i did go to beijing actually when i was little because i do remember i don't remember actually being there but i do remember a picture of me holding a mcdonald's happy kids meal in front of tiananmen square you know so it's like yep <laughs> that's photographic evidence i definitely went there obviously having been in the u.s we traveled a lot Actually, we went out, we went to Canada quite a few times early on, and I always wondered why my parents really liked to go to Canada, and it wasn't until recently I found out, like, my parents got permanent residency in Canada, and we went to Canada a lot because they, when they were trying to get their permanent residency in the U.S., you had to sort of do, you had to, certain stages of the whole application process, you had to like not be in the U.S. to do or something like that. So they literally had to like go to Toronto or go to Vancouver to finish some part of the process and then come back. But here's the trick. Here's the crazy part was my parents would tell me like, oh, you remember that trip to Toronto we took on like 10 different connections on Greyhound buses? Uh, oh, yeah, that. Um, yeah, we may not have been able to come back. They had apparently planned 
to essentially never be able to come back again. They had like made all these arrangements in the case, in the event that essentially they won't, they wouldn't be able to come back. You know, the, the application gets rejected or whatever. Right. And we would have to stay in Canada basically. That's wild. As a kid, I just thought it was like a road trip. You know, I thought it was like a fun trip. I did not know there was this huge, you know, life, potentially life-changing thing that was that could have happened. So, yeah, uh, those were wild. Um, it's funny, I put San Antonio on this list. <laughs> but, like, I grew up in San Antonio, but I put that there because we don't live there now. Um, we don't go there frequently, but when we do, it's, it's nice to just kind of go home, talk about relaxing, because my parents cook, I don't have to worry about cooking, and it's like comfort food, and it's super, ah, I feel so good. But yeah, we've been to, yeah, Boston, New York City, New Hampshire, San Francisco, you know, the West Coast, East Coast, like Disney World, Disneyland, you name it, right? So there was a lot of traveling done. Um, the Disney World one was interesting. I did that in a marching band. We were on buses from San Antonio all the way to uh, Florida, and hmm. our bus hit a pole at some point, and we had to change buses at like two in the morning. Um, oh geez the, the bus uh, apparently the bus started catching on fire and like yeah it was it was craziness um but anyways uh yeah the we we've also been to the carolinas there was a spent a spring break down there it was with some buddies and that was really nice rented a house puerto rico china colombia montreal like i already mentioned ecuador and galapagos and italy and spain that's about it oh mexico but I don't. I feel like I haven't really been to Mexico because that was a cruise from Houston to Cozumel, and and like I'm like Cozumel is so touristy. At least the part that we docked at, you know, and we did this little like jeep excursion thing, and then we just went right back on the boat. I was like, I feel I don't feel like I counts <laughs> as me being in Mexico. <laughs> Um, but technically speaking, I did go to Mexico. I spent enough time in Chicago airports that I act like I, I'm like, I kind of feel like I've been to Chicago, but I know I haven't. I really want to go to Chicago. <laughs> but I've yeah, been, I know what you I've mean. I've been in that airport mean. enough times that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. That's the one with the, uh, the squirty water thing, right? The little waters, water well, squirters. there's two of them. There's O'Hare and there's Midway. Yeah. I've been to both. Mm-mm. I don't yeah. know. I don't know which one has the shitty water things. But you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I don't actually. <laughs> you don't like it's it squirts this water and the the, the little stream of water like jumps. It kind of jumps to another hole, another part, and it's like oh, there's like twenty the of them going on at the same time. It's like you know, like I've seen things like that, but I didn't streams I didn't know of water a... jumping around. Yeah, there was. I thought it was at the, one of the Chicago ones. But anyways, I I remember just like looking at that when I was younger and being fascinated by it. Anyways, I would say like places I would love to go to though. I think I would love to go to more parts of Europe. Having only been to Italy and Spain, going to England, right? Ireland, and more like Eastern Europe too would be really cool to go see. Um, Greece, definitely, definitely. Go see my buddy's uh, historical motherland. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? Any places you really like want to travel to? I forgot to mention when we were first talking, I've, I guess because it's also like, like I said, it's, sometimes I, I don't categorize visiting somebody as a vacation. But when I went and visited Rachel in Arizona, that certainly was a vacation. We went to the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. We went to Zion uh, for Ooh, weekends yeah. and, and stuff. 
and um, I actually flew back. I hit Denver on the way back. And I would say that those trips have inspired my next round of trips. In, in my head, I would love to go to a bunch of like wonders of the world and just see breathtaking things. Yosemite is like on my short list of places I want to go and see. And yeah, I, I just think I want to do more national parks and, and things like that that just are beautiful. And I find those trips really relaxing because they're active and that you're, you're hiking and you're um, doing stuff, but you're also relaxing because you're, you're just hiking. You know, you're just one with nature. I think it's nice. So mm-hmm. the issue I have and, and Rachel has is, is fear of heights. I, I wouldn't say I'm afraid mm-hmm. of heights as much as I am afraid of dangerous situations and being high up with no <laughs> and easily to fall off is a dangerous situation. So I, I get anxious mostly not because of like my ability. I'm not too worried about me. It's everyone else around me that could be reckless. And I find a lot of reckless people when I was on these trails, people just like going the opposite way and like brushing shoulders and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, if you hit me a little harder, I could have fallen down off this cliff. You know, I'm not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really ruins the vibe in my opinion. Yeah. And it makes me really like nervous the whole time I'm there. I'm really anxious, I guess the whole time I'm on these hikes. Um, and I'm just like balancing, like making sure I'm in a, a position where I feel safe and comfortable while also enjoying the, the stuff. When we were in Zion, we didn't even do Angel's Landing because of that. People were being real, mm. really reckless. And I just, I, Rachel wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. No one was happy. <laughs> we were just like, all right, we're not doing this crap. <laughs> I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, Angel's Landing. Like, and the crazy, like, spine of the, you know, these giant rocks that you're just sort of like, <laughs> you know, Dude. hopscotching across. And I'm like, I can't even imagine. Uh, those pictures look so terrifying. I've watched videos of been scared, okay? I'm not even, I have no leg yeah. I'm watching videos of other people hike it. Because afterwards, when I, I said no to it, I was like, let's see what it was all about. I'm scared for them. I'm like, this is ridiculous. No one should be doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. There are similar mountains like that near near Xi'an in China. There's like a famous one called Huashan Mountain. And that one is, yeah, you're on like, it's like a vertical cliff. And you've got like this little wood plank, maybe about a foot wide, just barely attached to the side of this sheer cliff you know and everybody's kind of just like hugging the wall <laughs> and like shimmying <laughs> along this thing with barely anything to grab onto it is like like people die every year on these things you know and it's just like oh my god <laughs> but so many people go i yeah i i personally don't think i would ever do something like that it's just too much risk <laughs> i hear you yeah, I like the I like the hikes, even if they're um, strenuous. I think there's definitely a difference between strenuous and unsafe. I will do strenuous. I will not do unsafe. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But um, there's a uh, oh, there's one other place I was gonna say that I would really love to go to, but I'm um, Australia. I would love to go to Australia. Oh, that'd be super cool. Yeah, like New Zealand, Australia. Rachel wants to go on safari for our honeymoon, and. Mm. I'm starting to warm up to the idea. It'd definitely be a very unique experience. I will say, like, we're very fortunate, right? Not, like, yes, like, being able to travel, but also, like, being able to speak English, you know? As a as a tourist, I feel like being able to speak oh, yeah, English, that's true. it makes traveling much easier. I mean, imagine, like, being a tourist from, I don't know, uh, you know, Turkey, right? And you're, like trying to first of all you're probably going to need to speak english you know uh, if you want to travel <laughs> um it's a good point so i don't know i feel like 
heck, we should definitely at least take advantage of, you know, places that speak English as the national language, you know, <laughs> Australia, England, um, neither of which I've ever been. London felt like a cheat code, man. It, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is doing a foreign country on easy because they use the same language <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like you get a little bit of a different culture, but it's, yeah, it was a total cheat code. So I guess um, one, one thing we wanted to talk about was food when we're going vacation. Do we like to focus on it? Boy, oh boy, do I ever. That's like my favorite part. I love going out to eat every night <laughs> and like trying out new restaurants and seeing what they, you know, what they're known for. Oh, that's, that's my favorite part in many ways. So I'm curious when you were in London now, like English people aren't exactly <sighs> for, you know, great chefs and cooking. So like when you were in London, what, what kind of food experiences did you have? London was a missed opportunity, my friend. Since I went to London, internet friends, you know, and Marco and all of them that went for Mike's wedding, <laughs> they they all uh, went to these great restaurants. They were saying, oh, London's a great food city because there's a lot of, like, really nice restaurants. Um, they're not known for their food, like, you know, English food for, per se, but there's a lot of really great restaurants. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had just spent all this money to go out there, so we did not really do anything from a food perspective that was noteworthy. And in fact, actually one night we had one of the worst dinners ever and I scolded Rachel about it because <laughs> we went to Harrods and we realized there was really nowhere to sit and eat for any reasonable amount of money. It was like really, really pricey. Hmm. And we went to this like carryout place and we ordered this stuff and it was all cold. And it was like the intent was to take it home and heat it up. And I was ah. like, Rachel, I don't think we have a microwave at our hotel. Like I know we don't have it in our room. I don't think we have it in the hotel. She's like, ah, no, we definitely have one. We got back. There was no microwave. I mean, like the half frozen, <laughs> half frozen meat pie, and I was just like, "We're in London. Uh, <laughs> we funny. could be having anything we want right now, but this is what we're doing." <laughs> you you, you oh, put that. Man. You you put some hot water in a bucket, and you know, place your takeout container over the bucket, <laughs> and you just start steaming the thing, man. <laughs> Heating up. It was with a the, total disaster. <laughs> it was a total disaster. I would think it's pretty cool. I just started really thinking about this, but I think in future like trips, I would love to be able to ask, I'm thinking about it now, though with kids, it's going to be harder, but I would love to be able to like go to at least one Michelin star restaurant wherever I am. Oh boy. And just trying to experience what like upscale dining is like in that country or in that place I'm going to. But at the same time, like, because what I love is street food, you know, like right. if I'm going to like China, if I'm going wherever, like I love street food, but at the same, but like it's cheap, it's good, you know, but yeah, we don't really like splurge ever in terms of like, oh yeah, like what's, what's like modernist cuisine, you know, for this place. I will say though, like not all Michelin stars are like expensive restaurants and I think in Singapore, there's this hawker stand, which is like, you know, these like night like food stands right and um this one particular one i guess got super popular he sells like a chicken dinner it's like roasted chicken or something and he ended up getting a a michelin star and i think super cheap right like he sells like an entire meal for like like maybe like the equivalent of two american dollars and he was asked he was like interviewed after he won the michelin star it's like you thinking of like raising your prices now that you know you've gotten more attention and like fame and more people know about you and he was just like no way like it's because of my fans that i was able to win this award i'm not gonna like 
turn around and now like raise the prices on them. And I was at first I thought like that's pretty legit, you know, like good for you, man. But then I thought like you realize how long your lines are going to be. I feel like with the significant increase in demand that that man's going to have, I feel like he has to raise his prices just to sort of start <laughs> like if anything, well, I don't know, maybe I'm not being fair, but food for me it's a big deal, but I never looked into this Michelin star thing. I didn't, I never even knew about it. Um, there's only 15 of them in the United States, most of which are either in New York or San Francisco. Yeah, I think there's a famous one in Chicago as well. Yeah, that's the first one listed. Yeah, yeah. Ali- Alinea? Yep. yep, that's the one. Carolina and I used to watch um, like food shows, so they'd always sort of feature some famous chef at their Michelin star restaurant. If you guys have never seen or never heard of Michelin Star or, you know, want to see what that, what's it about, um, I will recommend a really good movie. Uh, it's called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. A lot of people have seen it. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Alec, but... I haven't. That Yeah, now that is a good movie. Jiro, J-I-R-O, Dreams of Sushi. Fantastic movie. I, I've seen them, like, countless times now, and... It's so good. It shows like it's basically about this old master sushi like chef who is like I I don't know how old he is, but he's very old. And he is still making sushi today and has such a strong like work ethic and you just hear about his entire story about why is sushi is so good, how is it so good and like his eventual basically he's like a rock star in the world of sushi and yeah, and how he got his Michelin stars and things like that. So, super good movie. I've only been to a Michelin restaurant once in New York City, and it was pretty good. And it wasn't that expensive, actually. But there's, like, different levels, right? You can have, like... Yeah, I'm saying I that one to three, three stars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure a three-star one is a lot more expensive. Especially, like, you know, you go to a French three-star Michelin restaurant, you're you're looking at, like, maybe, like, $300 a pop, you know, a person. Yeah, there's one in D.C. called Pineapple and Pearls. It's a two-star Michelin restaurant. And I saw someone go to that, and I looked it up. Just like, oh, this looks like a fancy place. No kidding. You have to get a reservation months in advance. It's like 300 yep. ahead. I was like, ooh. And I was talking to somebody about this recently. I was like, I don't think I'm there yet. I still don't think I'm there. Like That's like a level of money on a one day that I don't know if I'm comfortable with. And she's like, oh, I want to go there so badly one day. She's like, one day we're going to have to do it. <laughs> and I said... All right. I don't know when that day is, but it's not right now. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why I think like it would be awesome to to go the, to the, a Michelin star restaurant like when I'm on a vacation. A destination. Because I don't yeah. Go, I don't travel that frequently, and if I do, when I do, you know, it's something you have to plan far out in advance anyway. So it's like, why not then reserve like you know a night out at at a nice restaurant? It gets back to the whole flight thing for me, right? Like is the marginal cost worth it? Like how much is the experience going to yeah. be better? And like that, that gymnastics, yeah. not to say I'm not for no, good you're... food. It's just like, you know, you're really turning the dollar to 11, you know, you're going to a $300 place, a $30 meal is expensive and nice, you know, <laughs> like that's an order of magnitude. I know. <laughs> so, I know. I know. So that's kind of my, my rationale. I get it. Uh, it's like, I think it's just because Carolina and I watch these like food shows, you know, chef's table was a really popular one. 
you watch these shows and it's magical. You know, some of the, you don't go to just eat the food. You go to have an experience, to have yeah. an encounter with your food, with the chef, with like everything. It is the whole thing is like a show. Well, you know that meme of the salt bay who does a salt thing. He like sprinkles the salt and goes like down his forearm and stuff. Have you never no. seen this? Oh, he became no. like an internet meme. So again, I saw someone go to that and like post pictures, and they were doing the salt thing. And then they showed like a picture of like the guy, and I was like, "Oh shit, he's like a restaurateur." I didn't know that. <laughs> so yeah, apparently he has like really expensive restaurant where everything's like you know a hundred dollars for a steak and and stuff like that. But he comes out and he'll like cut it up for you and he'll do this fucking salt thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it's a show, like you were saying. Everyone's like pulling out their cameras to see the show. Well, it's not. It's well, I don't mean a show as in just that, but it's the entire. It's an experience. It's the food. Yeah, like they make. It is not just steak. It's like, it's, oh, God, I can't even explain it. it. Like, it's food you will never have had before, guaranteed. And food you will probably never have again. It's, they're absolutely unique dishes and things like that. And it's like some transformation of, like, a local cuisine or something that, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's art as well. That's what it is, too. I feel like it's the thing that, here, I'll, I'll put it this way. I would pay $300 to eat out of a place like this, eat kind of food that and have an experience like that, than to pay $30 to have a plate of pasta in a nice Italian restaurant. Because pasta, I, I'm sorry, if we have Italian listeners, I, I apologize ahead of time, but I do not, I would never go to an Italian restaurant and order pasta. Maybe lasagna or maybe something a little more complicated, but pasta, like, come on. Because I cannot justify spending that kind of money on something I can make at home. And, like, I know a bunch of Italians will, will say, but June, no, come on, like, handmade pasta versus door pasta or, or these sauces that they use, like, the pomodoro from Italy, whatever. It's like, uh, come on, okay, I can make pasta, like, at home, and it I wouldn't notice the difference. You know, and Italian restaurants always tend to be, like, more upscale i feel like in general and so their prices are always just higher anyways but yeah that's that's kind of my thing it's like i i would pay good money to have an experience a show like that's for me like 300 dollars per head if i went to a nice concert a nice sh- like broadway show you could pay just as much right for a good scene you can. yeah you know yeah and it's, why do you do that, right? So, <laughs> for me, like, some people have, like, that with food. So, I actually, I now that I'm doing more research about the Michelin thing, I remember hearing about it on a podcast. So, like, the whole reason they came up with it was to get people to drive more and then you buy more tires, which I think is hysterical. They were trying to, like, find these great restaurants so people would drive more often to go and see places. Okay, that's funny. I didn't know about that, but... I didn't even know. I, it hadn't even occurred to me that it was, like, the same company as the tire company. Huh. Yeah. I, apparently, it was like some crackpot marketing scheme. We're like, we're like, actually, that could work. Yeah, we should go find good restaurants. Awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'll just see if I can find that podcast. But yeah, they were talking about it. Now it's like an internationally coveted award. That's hilarious. Huh. So lastly, I guess, let's talk about who you like to vacation with. Are there particular... Do you like vacationing in groups or do you like going just with your immediate family? The smaller the group, the better, I think, for me in general. I think part of that goes back to the whole planning thing. 
like if i don't have to plan for as many people i would love it like when i planned the trip for just carolina and myself for our honeymoon so easy and so like and when it was just us two it was fantastic now it's like i don't really get a choice like my kids have to come with us although granted i guess we could leave them with grandparents or something and go, you know, elope somewhere. But I don't know. I feel like that's eh, a little harder to do nowadays to just kind of have leeway. Although I will say, I don't know if it's just like a trend or something, but it seems like I have a lot more friends that are traveling alone now. And there are like, especially even like groups, if you go travel somewhere, and there'll be like some kind of like a hiking group or a mountaineering group where like it's catered to single travelers. You know what I mean? Like people who are traveling just by themselves. And then like the whole kind of experience is sort of geared towards having you're, you're meeting friends or you're making new friends or something like that because you're traveling alone. But I've never traveled alone. That that would be an interesting experience. Traveling family is all right. But for me, like immediate family is pretty good. I haven't traveled like with other family in a while now. I mean, I've definitely done it with Carolina's family in Italy. And that was fun. I don't know if I have a preference. Think about it. I think you said it all. If you have a plan, the amount of people that you add is not that big of a deal. But if you don't have a plan, it's awful. <laughs> it You yeah. definitely won't have that many people. I don't mind traveling with other people. I would just say, like, like you said it's really useful to have a plan and then at least you know like you're gonna do this that and the other because i guess it's also feel like if if you don't go with a plan everyone has like an idea of how this trip's gonna go it can't possibly go all those ways and it became it becomes like an issue i've never traveled alone per se like the first time i ever went to wwc i didn't really know anybody but i i went for it and i also like I, i stayed at a friend's place at least i was seeing somebody i know at night's but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think I've ever traveled 100% alone. Oh, actually, I guess on a on a business trip I've done, but you're there for business. Yeah, I don't know if that counts, but yes, yeah. It still felt like a little bit like a travel because like I had the evenings to myself. That's true. But yeah, it was pretty low key. Yeah, I gotta say, like having company while traveling is nice, but it is it does go back to having so many people wanting to do different things and making a decision is harder. I like traveling with Carolina. I think she's a great travel partner. Yeah, Rachel's not bad. Yeah. She's a travel dictator, as we like to say, but she's a benevolent travel dictator. 